Christ, can you imagine if Gervais had done in Homeland? <laughs> Three, two, one. You're listening to the Ed and Stu podcast with your hosts, Ed and Stu. I'm Ed. I'm Stu. Minor fuck up this week. Ed's microphone wasn't on, so we only have Stu's audio. We do have a bulging mailbag, um, so I'm going to edit the pod and ask the questions, and you'll get to hear Stu's answers. If this turns out to be your favourite pod, then... um, you know, go fuck yourselves. I did realise that I do seem to talk quite a lot, but that's all good. Um, but for, yeah, for those of you who do listen to the pod, for the deep, soothing sounds of Ed's voice, you're going to be dis- bitterly disappointed this week. Um, yeah, we covered some great ground. We finally had closure on Julius Stiles Gate of 2002. Um, you know, we'll have to go back to another pod if needed. But yeah, let's crack on with the pod. First question for the mailbag comes in from our good friend Dave Mitchell. In a post-COVID world where someone finally invented the holodeck, had to ask him what the holodeck was, I had a feeling it was something to do with Star Trek, but I couldn't be sure, but for only for the purpose of bringing back club football teams of the past to play against each other in summer tournaments to replace the World Cup, as nationalism was globally outlawed in 2022, what would be your dream semi-final setup, and who'd go on to lift the trophy? Okay, I didn't realise... I actually, I, I've, I've messed up the question because I was thinking about it during the week. I didn't realise that I get to choose who goes on to lift the trophy. I, I've, I mean, because I mean that would obviously, I would, I would have a, a Celtic Rangers uh, final, but it'd be like nine nil. Um, but I've, uh, I've not Rangers don't feature. I'm, I'm not going to give them the, the opportunity to reach a Champions League final. They'd probably put some sort of uh, little purple star above their badge or something if they. Uh, if they did that, so uh, my first semi-final is, uh, I mean, this would be an absolute banger. Ninety-nine United against the 05 Liverpool team, um, and my second would be the 0203 Celtic team that got to the UEFA Cup final against the 02 uh, Real Madrid team, that um, the team that famously beat Man United four-three at Old Trafford. And the, uh, the Man United fans were chanting, Fergie, Fergie, sign him up after Ronaldo scored a hat-trick. And Celtic were going to win it. Okay, and in your dream scenario, would Celtic get to the final? Yeah, well, that was... Uh, well, Larson would just, you know, guide you through. Um, and they probably got the... They might have got the easy draw, you know. Dodge Man United, obviously. Um but we weren't asked that. This is a post-apocalyptic world. We don't have to justify our selections, okay? And I've only put in the 05 Liverpool team because now that I see it, I want the 99 United team to win. And they would win. We know that. I mean, to be fair, you could ask the same question, how did they get to the final about that 05 Liverpool team? You pulled one right out of the bag against Olympiacos or someone, as I recall. But the, see, the, when I was trying to think about this, I was thinking about the Champions League matches that I truly loved. And there was that period when uh, it was always Chelsea, Barca, Ronaldinho and Jose and Michael Ballack screaming at the ref. And I really wanted to get one of those teams in there. I mean, I couldn't bring myself to put in some terrible 
Chelsea team that played anti-football, but a good band still. Second question, also from Dave. You have to build your ideal quiz team comprising of solely fictional sitcom characters who are famous in some way in their version of the world. And he's given an example. For example, Greg Lindley Jones becomes famous in extras, so is fine, but Maggie Jacobs doesn't, and so isn't. Andy Millman would be a judgment call given how it ends. Four person teams minimum, and I'd like to hear what everyone's special subject would be. Okay, my for I mean, I really struggled with this because actually I found it really hard to think of four. It was sitcoms. I mean, initially, my first thing was like, well, Sherlock Holmes is famous. He'd be brilliant. And he's he's the, the famous Sherlock Holmes, but he's not in a sitcom. I stretch sitcoms quite a lot here. So my first answer, my first name, first name of the team team sheet was um, Kevin Pearson from This Is Us. <laughs> I know. Um, well, I, I mean, it fits the bill. Look, it's Kevin Pearson from This Is, this is Us. Uh, his special subject um, would be American football. The um, the second person on my list um, would be um, Master of Nuns, Dev Shah. His specialist subject would be food and drink. You'll, when you see who's third on my list, Joey Tribbiani from Friends. <laughs> no, no. He's especially the subject with the letter V because there was an episode of Friends where he bought uh, only the letter V encyclopedia uh, and that's all he could talk about. I think it was V. And then, of course, fourth, in a in a world where BBC docu, the BBC documentary The Office uh, laid the foundations for fame and fortune for the manager of The Office, David Brent, he would be team captain and he would be uh, general knowledge. I, in my in my imagination, Chris Finch does not go on to uh, <laughs> any kind of fame. But yeah, I was trying to think of a girl, and I really struggled to. So I'm sorry to, I guess, our one female listener. No, that was a great question. I enjoyed that one. Thinking about it, and do feel free to tweet us with your suggestions and answers. And if you'd like to tweet us, we're at the E Show on Twitter. Third mailbag question comes in from David Grant, and he asks, will there ever be another great Gen Con? For those listeners who don't know, Gen Con is like a gaming festival. It's board games, card games, role-playing, LARPing, live-action role-playing, computer games, just any sort of games. Um, had a great run from about the year 2000-2012. We went to five or six. Um, by the end of it, it was in Reading. It was uh, a bit of a horror show, but it had been in some great venues in Loughborough, Manchester, Olympia in London. Um, really great times. Um, the highlight is probably Bognor Regis, and Stu's going to talk a little bit to that experience now. But just to quickly answer Dave's question, it has been discontinued since 2012. I'd like to see it see it back. If I won the lottery and the sort of tens of hundreds of millions, I'd probably put on my own sort of game of fest. But yeah, sad that it's gone. Obviously, there's Gen Con in America, but sad that there isn't something in the UK. I suppose the UK board games um, convention, exhibition, whatever it's called, is is the big one now that sort of fills that hole a little bit. But yeah, sad to see it go. Um, I think my favourite uh, favorite, uh, story was... Um, yeah, I think it's podcast friendly. Yeah, well, we went with a guy called Johnny Chapman, and if Johnny listens, um, 
Johnny, oh, it's awkward actually because maybe the start of his broken heart started that day. He that was when he met he met <laughs> Edit. He um yeah he met a girl. You'll recall he met a girl and the girl invited him to meet him at the pier and she never showed up. Yeah, the girl was the barmaid. That's it. We interrupted an entire game of uh, we we interrupted an entire uh, Legend of the Five Rings tournament uh, to have all the people playing in the tournament sing you happy birthday, as we arrogantly said, "Everyone, sing this man a happy birthday," and they did. Was it a magic tournament? No, I know we didn't play it, but there were people playing it. I'm pretty sure it was a Legend of the Five Rings tournament that we interrupted to sing you happy birthday. This was Stu's first Gen Con, and we spent the entire trip down saying how amazing it was going to be. Um, and we and we got there, and, and Stu basically um, almost cried when he handed over his £100 entry fee to the person there in Scottish pound notes and got told that it wasn't official legal tender and he had to go and find some other money. Oh, yeah! I wasn't almost crying. I was just very, I was like, probably a bit frustrated. The worst thing, actually, was... To try and, I don't think I really knew, I obviously knew you, but I don't think I knew uh, some of the guys too well then. So to try and ingratiate myself into the group, I volunteered to go and get the shopping from Tesco. And I went to Tesco and bought like a huge shopping with like, you know, 10 carrier bags of booze and black pudding, right? The taxi, because the, the taxi wouldn't take me all the way back from Tesco to the little cabin we'd hired. He was like, well, we're not allowed to go into Butlins, so... We'll just have to drop you off here. We're just outside. I was like a good mile walk, you know, and I wasn't the Adonis that you see before you just now. I was a different man when I was, when I was 19. It was absolutely horrific. At this point, we very briefly cover FPL and football as we usually go at quite lengths to to talk about on the pod, but still didn't want to talk about the football. And that's when I remembered the reason why was because Celtic lost 2-0 to Rangers at the weekend. Yeah, I went... I've got a friend who will remain unnamed and he and I live alone. So we did the extended social bubble to keep ourselves legal. And he and I uh, watched the match yesterday and it was just absolutely horrific. And I think if Celtic don't... Yeah. He's yeah, he's much big, bigger Celtic fan than I am. Like, got there and he had the scarf on. He was like, right, let's do this. Well, I don't think he's probably, probably been the same games as I have. We've been to games together, actually. But he... Um, he, uh, yeah, we were just raging. And Celtic, if, I mean, if they don't very quickly turn it around, I think last season when Rangers won the old firm, um, if Rangers had kept playing well, they'd have won the league. The Celtic kicked into great consistency and Rangers dropped a lot of points. That's why we went on to win the league. But if Rangers keep going, like these old firm games are massive six pointers that you can't recover from. So, I mean, if I, I if Rangers, and you imagine Gerard's got them. He'll, he'll be reminding them of any... I mean, Gerard, I imagine, has got some good tell, tales to tell about times he's thrown leagues away. I think Celtic have got a better... Yeah, they, Celtic have got a, I think Celtic have a better squad, but they don't have a good system at all. And he's got Rangers playing really, really well right now. As avid listeners will know, um, we're trying to listen to a different album a week. This can be a new album or a reappraisal of previous albums that we may have listened to. And... Um, Ewan Mackey has uh, messaged us this week and said, can we take a listen to Ill Manners by Plan B, um, which we both did. It's his third album. It is uh, a soundtrack to a film that he started and I think co-wrote uh, called Ill Manners. Um, so very much have to watch the the movie to get the full 
um, impact of the album, but also um, vice versa. So let's hear what Sue's got to say about it. Yeah, there was lots of tracks that were like, you know, I've, I'm off to stab. I'm off. I, I'm going to tell this kid to go and stab that guy and I'll give him some weed or a lot of like little story things. Um, that makes more sense now that you've said that about the movie. So maybe I'll watch the movie. I found it quite noisy. One thing I realized I really liked about psychodrama was uh, it, the lyrics were really clear and easy to understand, and there wasn't a lot of background, uh, yeah, noise. Whereas Ill Manners, I found he used an awful lot of things like ambulances and gunshots and uh, back chatter to create a background noise, obviously trying to create an atmosphere. And I found it quite hard to follow the lyrics, and that might just be because I was walking and maybe maybe I wasn't paying too much attention. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as psychodrama as far as concept al- albums go. One thing I th- thought was interesting listening to it was like, just when you're talking about David Cameron and Broken Britain was when I was listening to it, because this was the first time I'd ever heard it, thinking, well, it's 2020. Do you think they make this conscious decision not to refer to stuff like that in albums? Because it's not, it ends up not being timeless. Like it's very of the time, right? It, it hasn't aged, um, I would say it hasn't aged well, but it hasn't, you know, it's very much, you know, whereas previous albums are going to maybe stand the test of time because they are, they don't have these very specific references in them. And that sadly was that, as I say, you'll never hear the Julius Stylesgate closure. We talked a little bit about the Homeland. Um... Oh, fuck. Peace. Peace. <laughs>